Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay. Everybody ready? Here we go. We're going back to 1995 Before the DVD even arrived A little film exploded on the scene From the mind of Amy Heckerling Clueless, we're talking clueless We're talking clueless on cinema I used to watch the movie every night When I was only in the third grade I'd fantasize Alicia was my wife And one time I even kissed the tape What'd he say? Yeah, I said I kissed the tape Why'd you kiss the tape? Because Alicia was on the cover of Clueless We're talking Clueless We're talking Clueless On Cinema Possessed Everyone now Clueless We're talking Clueless We're talking Clueless On Cinema Possessed
Welcome, everybody, to the Cinema Possessed Podcast. My name is Jack Bishop. And I'm Justin Nijim. And each week, we take a close look at one film in our combined DVD and Blu-ray collections and discuss what it was about it that originally possessed us to want to possess it. We'll debate whether or not the film still holds that power over us today. And in the end, we'll decide once and for all if it deserves to keep its place on the shelf or be tossed outie. <laughs> Your opening music always has this like the uncanny valley of music <laughs> yeah. quality to it. <laughs> well, I'm recreating it, you know, myself. Yeah. So it's, mm-hmm. it's good. It, and I'm I'm purposefully changing right. chords and notes here and there. That wasn't tenderness. That was an original creation. That was the original parody song, <laughs> Clueless. <laughs> Joining us right off the top today is uh, the fan favorite <laughs> by popular demand, <laughs> Uh, we have Corey Clifford right away. My mom has been writing in. She wants me at the top of every episode. Well, we're we're answering the call here on the episode. And Justin, what movie are we talking about today? 1995's Clueless, written and directed by Amy Heckerling, rated PG-13. So, okay, like right now, for example, the Hadians need to come to America. If the government could just get to the kitchen, rearrange some things, we could certainly party with the Hadians. Wow. You guys talk like grown-ups. Oh, well, this is a really good school. Oh, should I write them a note? <gasps> Ew, get off of me. Ah, oh, as if. Cher saving herself for Luke Perry. Cher, you're a virgin? I mean, I'm not prude. I'm just highly selective. I mean, you see how picky I am about my shoes, and they only go on my feet. Amber, my plastic surgeon doesn't want me doing any activity where balls fly at my nose. Well, there goes your social life. Justin, how'd you watch this movie? Uh, I have the Blu-ray uh, 25th oh. anniversary edition Steelbook. Wow, it's um, beautiful. A good version. Yeah, the the um, the frustrating thing about it is there's no description on it. It came, you know, like most steelbooks come with shrink wrapped, and then there's a piece of paper yeah. with information about what's on the disc. So pulling it up on Amazon, 25th anniversary steelbook edition with a digital comes with a digital copy. So as 19, well. 1995, that would be 25th. It was 2020. Yeah, that's a 2020 release. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, special features include Clue or False, trivia game, yeah. The Class of 95, a look at the cast then and now, mm-hmm. Creative Writing with writer-director Amy Heckerling, mm-hmm. Fashion 101, mm-hmm. um, Suck and Blow, a tutorial, a <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, few other things that don't make any sense, but uh, trailers, etc. No audio commentary, which which was sad. True. Um, what was your relationship to Clueless prior to do you remember the first time did you see it as a teenager did you see it as an adult this was a movie that i saw mostly on when it was recut for television i you know my my parents again just they they're very picky about what i watch they were and, hesitant about clueless yes because it's they think it's too stupid oh so, right, right yeah uh-huh. so a depiction of stupidity a lot of Polly shore movies mm-hmm. referenced in this film mm-hmm. um you know airheads things like that right uh, again it's in the beavis and butthead category they're not right i'm not i don't agree <laughs> right, with, with right, their categ- 
categorization. So this is something that like, oh, one year I pick up a few pieces of the movie and then it's on TV again and I pick up another. (laughs) I have no clue what's happening or what's going on. I'm totally clueless about the movie. And was it something that when you did catch those pieces, was there like an appeal to you? No, definitely. always had an appeal on me. I the the conversation around the movie, um, Alicia, Alethea, 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 <laughs> Alicia, <laughs> it's not Alicia. I Alicia. know it's, yeah, it's, it's Alicia. I've yeah. gone my whole life calling mm-hmm. her Alicia Silverstone. Me too. Really? Me too. Yeah. And so like I, it is hard for me to break that and, and go Alicia. I try. And I even tried to do it in the song lyrics, but yeah, uh, it's hard. Syllabically, mm-hmm. it worked better to say Alicia. Yeah. So I just went with it. Yeah. I have more of a relationship to Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Right. That I watched mm-hmm. over and over again. Kissed Spicoli on the cover. <laughs> oh, okay. And your yeah. parents were okay with that movie? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's like it's um, when my dad felt like I really, really wanted to see something Mm -hmm. and I was making a big stink about it. (laughs) He would rent it and then he would watch it in the family room, put pop the VHS in. You remember Carnosaur? Of course. I own it. (laughs) I have it on DVD. (laughs) So it was like. A Jurassic Park kind of thing, you know? Sure. Well, it was trying to kind of milk the exactly the, the popularity. Yeah. So that's why I wanted to see it so bad. I was obsessed with dinosaurs. So I made a case to my dad, like, hey, this is educational. <laughs> I could learn about dinosaurs. I literally, in one of my elementary school classes, I convinced one of the teachers to let me stand up in front of the classroom. I'm the shyest kid mm-hmm. in the world. I don't like... I don't know what... You're not a public speaker. No. I st- To this day, I don't like Q&As. I don't like speaking in front of people. Mm-hmm. Even right now, you're sitting inside of a telephone booth, <laughs> <Yeah>. completely <laughs> yeah. covered up. I'm in a remote location. <laughs> it also isn't your real voice. This mm-hmm. is like a voice You have modulator. like a scream box, but it's just like for a normal dude. I'm um, <laughs> uh, This little boy, for some reason, felt compelled to... St- convince his teacher to stand in front of the classroom and give a, di- a straight up 30 minute lecture <laughs> on dinosaurs. They were like, Who the, who's this fucking nerd? <laughs> anyway, so yeah, my dad would watch the movies. That was part of how I would trap him too because I would have a suspicion he would say no. Yeah. Um, I knew, oh, it's rated R. I knew Jurassic Park wasn't rated R. He's mm-hmm. not going to let me. That's why he doesn't want me to watch it. Right. So of course I would sneak down the stairs. I would cr- army crawl on the floor. I would... <laughs> I would hold my breath and I would peek around the corner and I would watch the movie from behind him the whole time. He wouldn't know. And then I would occasionally like sneak away, come back, watch a little bit more. And so eventually he would say, you can't watch this. This is too, this is too intense. What a bummer. And I'd be like, ha, that sucks. But But you did already most of the movie. (laughs) I, I can... I can see both sides of it because there's a lot of movies where I see the trailer and I say, I don't want to see that movie because yeah. it looks stupid. But you never know because this movie is purposefully doing a little bit of a bait and switch where it's it's kind of advertising itself as being about vapid, yeah. stupid people. But you, I think you very quickly realize within the first couple of scenes that this movie is much smarter. Than yeah, that. I think that's the say. theme of this podcast is there's always more than meets the eye mm-hmm. to a lot of these things that... Um, you know, don't make snatch ju- snap judgments. Don't judge a, a book exactly. by its cover. All those tropes are true for a reason. And a lot of these classic films, depending on who you are, what your age is, where you're at in your life, you you can extract one thing from it. But the brilliance of so many of these movies is like Clueless. I'm sure for you, when you both watched it when you were young, it had one impression on your life. And then watch it, rewatching it now, I'm sure it, you caught things maybe that you didn't Whoa, catch before. Buddy, I'll tell you what. Um, what was the other movie or comedy 
that you consumed as much as you did Clue? Did you really watch Clueless oh my God. every well, night? I was afraid of the dark, basically. I, was, I had trouble <laughs> sleeping. And so eventually my parents were like, Jack will actually get better sleep if we let him go to sleep watching a movie on the couch. And so I started, I spent like a year of my life around third grade sleeping on the couch every night with a movie on to, 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 to lull me to bed. Clueless was one of those movies. Dumb and Dumber was one of those movies. The Santa Claus was one of those movies. Classic. Um, oh, the Beverly Hillbillies. That was another one. But I was literally watching them every single night. This feels like an origin story for like a comic book director. <laughs> he fell asleep watching Clueless. Yeah. Santa Claus, mm-hmm. Dumb and Dumber, yeah. and then it, and then you're like cable guy. I would do it today if I had a TV <laughs> in my bedroom but before, and not a wife. Yeah, not a wife. <laughs> before we go to Corey, what what can you unpack? Why you were having such a hard time? Like what was going on in your life? Oh, that, just traditional kid stuff. You know, just being kind of like alone in a bedroom. To be, you're not like hiding something from us. You there was <laughs> oh no, it was just normal. No, I would just you know you turn. This al- is the part in the podcast where Jack cries. Yeah. There wasn't at this time. There wasn't a TV in any of the bedrooms. It was only a TV in the living room, and maybe one in the kitchen. And so I needed a nightlight in the form of a television with a movie on it. Basically, gotcha. Cut to now. This week I go to the DVD collection to pull Clueless off the shelf, and it's not fucking there. Mm. And I have no idea. I have no memory of getting rid of it. But the only thing I can think of is that when we moved to this place back in 2019, I did sell some DVDs. Strapped for cash. <laughs> to, to like make a little extra money. And so I went back to my eBay history and sure enough, I fucking sold that DVD. Mm. And so I had to scramble and buy a Blu-ray off of Amazon that I don't love. I don't love this cover. This The cover of my Blu-ray is very glittery. The real cover of Clueless. It's the best. Yeah. With yeah. with Cher and Dion and Ty standing on that white marble staircase in their incredible outfits. That's exactly what the movie is. This is not the movie. I don't think of glitter when I think of Mm-mm. Clueless. It's so weird. Um, and she never wears pink. And this like is a not even an outfit that she boa? wears in the film. Yeah. This is probably just from like a Seventeen costume. Seventeen magazine yeah. cover. So I hate the cover of it, but it had all the special features and it is Blu-ray. So I don't know what I'm going to do with this thing, but... Corey, what was your relationship with Clueless? When did you see it? Well, I was thinking about this this morning that you guys have such better memories than I do. Like, I there's maybe like three movies that I can actually remember the first time that I watched them. Mm-hmm. One was like Armageddon. I remember going to the theaters for that. Same. Mm-hmm. Pearl Harbor. I remember going to the theaters for that. Mm-hmm. Mm, 10 Things I Hate About You. I remember going to the theaters for that. But there's like very few movies that I can remember the first time that I watched. So I have seen Clueless for sure. It's one of the movies I've seen the most in my life. I can quote the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Obsessed with Alicia Silverstone, wanted to be her with every fiber of my being. I wanted to be her. Um, but I do not remember the first time that I watched it. Did you own the VHS or DVD ever in your life? Or were you just always just finding I it I think just TV? rent. We didn't really own movies. We went to the the family video down the street yep. in Otter Creek mm-hmm. all of the time. Like, you had a family video or are you just saying family video? No, it was called family it video. It was called family video. You had video. family video. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. That was where I went. We weren't a blockbuster family. We went to family video. My family went to all of them. We mm-hmm. were a family video because it was literally down the street. And we went there all, I mean, every weekend. We went to family video because the prices were cheaper, cartoons were free, 
and they had a dollar section for old yes older movies. it was five for five mm-hmm. ours did you mm-hmm. could get five for five dollars honestly some of my best childhood memories are walking through the aisles of yeah it. yeah it's the best and we thankfully- used to do that when we first started dating going to blockbuster mm-hmm. But this was the time period in my life I was obsessed with being a teenager. Like when I was little, with being a teenager or grown up, I was really like it is part of what made me want to move to Los Angeles so much. Like Mm -hmm. when I was 11, I begged my parents to take us on a family trip here. And my uncle was living here all the time. So it worked because I was so obsessed with Clueless. 90210 Beverly Hills, another show I should not have been watching, but it was on TV and I snuck it. And I was obsessed with 90210 Mm -hmm. and My Girl 2, which all takes place in LA. And those three movies, I mean, could be why the three of us are living in LA right now, to be honest. I also have so many memories of watching behind the scenes, like MTV did like Clueless specials and stuff like that all Mm -hmm. through growing up. I knew pretty much all of the information that was coming that you were watching like the bonus features because it was all things I had seen before so that was a big part of Clueless at the time too was and it may be because I was obsessed with like 17 magazine and YM and all those Mm -hmm. that I read all of the interviews with the cast anything that I could get a hold of there's a new book uh called as if Mm. All about the making of the film? Yeah, a writer interviewed Amy Heckerling for the book. You know, I would love to get that because I have tons of film books, particularly from this sort of era of late 80s, early 90s stuff. And I went through them to try to find anything about Amy Heckerling. And the only times I could find her brought up in any of these books was in relationship to Fast Times. And it was usually talking mostly about Cameron Crowe. It's so annoying because Mm. it's just because Fast Times is about teenage boys mostly, whereas Clueless is about teenage girls. When she was shopping around Clueless before Scott Rudin came on board, Mm -hmm. everyone who passed had a problem with a teen girl lead and the romance between her and her stepbrother, Josh. Mm. Which is still like an interesting Mm -hmm. kind of controversial part of the movie. Yeah, I think I was a little primed to really like Clueless because I was a huge Buffy the Vampire Mm -hmm. kid. Not the show, the movie. I rented that all the time. I was obsessed with the movie I was obsessed with the movie. And there's a similar vibe. Buffy, Valley Girl, Clueless, they all kind of got the... Yeah, and that's a big part of it too. So I realized in this rewatch that Amy Heckerling has really uh, had a a formative influence on me sexually, basically. (laughs) My, my, I don't think we should go into No, 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 go, go. (laughs) Let's, let's open it up. Well, I had the same thought. (laughs) Most people, yeah, of course. Where is this going? Well, you probably know this too, but my first childhood crush was Kirstie Alley in Look Who's Talking, mm-hmm. which was written and directed by Amy Heckerling. Total Fox. Yeah. And rest in peace. In love. Yeah, rest in peace, Kirstie Alley. You had some problematic <laughs> beliefs later on in life. End. But all that aside, I've I've always had a soft spot for Kirstie Alley and, and was my first movie love. And if she was on the cover of the Look Who's Talking box, not those two babies, I would have been kissing that box too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then she was eventually dethroned by Michelle Pfeiffer in Batman Returns. And that was what started my blonde obsession. Mm -hmm. Then it became Laura Dern in Jurassic Park. Mm -hmm. And then Alicia Silverstone in Clueless. She became my ultimate, ultimate crush. 
basically once Clueless came, I never really had like a celebrity crush outside of Alicia Silverstone. She kind of remained my constant celebrity crush. And so in a lot of ways, Amy Heckerling bookended my formative sexual experience. She started it with Kirstie Alley and she essentially ended it with Alicia Silverstone and Clueless. Well, you also have to thank Aerosmith for oh introducing God, yeah. Amy Heckerling yeah, yeah, that's to right. Alicia Silverstone. She discovered, mm -hmm. apparently on a treadmill, and, and a music video for Aerosmith came on, she saw Alicia Silverstone yeah, and crying. said, that's my share. Did you ever have a Gwyneth Paltrow phase? Never. Wow, no. that's surprising. No. Reese Witherspoon? Nope. Reese I could see more than Gwyneth. I mean, oh. I, I love Reese. I think she's a great actress. Nicole but I Kidman? Never, for sure, I had okay. Nicole Kidman, but like not like... Not like Alicia Silverstone. Mm -hmm. I remember when uh, The Babysitter came on television. Oh, yeah. I, my parents were like, there's an Alicia Silverstone movie coming on TV. And I was like, I'm there, front and center. <laughs> Excess Baggage. Excess Baggage. When that oh. came out, I had to see it. When Obviously, when Batman and Robin came out, that was huge. I had a framed picture of her <laughs> as... Batgirl in that yeah. movie. We had we had a little bit of a connection back then too, because I you were girl crazy about her. Big time. And I was and had memorabilia. And I feel like there's not a lot of like guys that I talk to who have had stuff like this. Cause me as a young girl, I mean, my entire walls were plastered mm. with cut out magazines of boys and I would kiss them every night. When you say you would kiss, you would go up to the wall and kiss the pictures? Oh yeah, there was all different kinds. I had the wall that I would kiss, you know, and look at and just stream about. And then I would also have the pillow. I would lay, um, make a pillow long wise and mm -hmm. I would lay on it and I would pretend like I was laying on the boy's chest <laughs> <laughs> and we were cuddling. Um, yeah. Mine, yeah, I mean, I made out with many uh, posters on a wall. A friend of mine introduced me to the concept of kissing inanimate objects. <laughs> <laughs> we had uh, gotten, we had found my dad's Sports Illustrated swimsuit editions. We would pick who we wanted to be our girlfriends. And I specifically <laughs> remember picking Rebecca Romaine. And he said, let's take our girlfriends <laughs> under the bed and let's make out with them. And so we went under the bed with these magazines. Together? A, yes, together, but <laughs> like we each had our own magazine. Uh -huh. And we kissed the magazines. Uh -huh. And brother, it felt good. That's <laughs> Justin, so did you did you ever kiss a magazine? I don't think so. Jack and I are freaks. Wouldn't surprise me if I did. I'm not denying yeah, it. Yeah, I just yeah. can't remember. I don't think my formative sexual experience through Amy Heckerling is that unique because I know tons of people had a formative experience with Fast Times at Ridgemont High with the Phoebe Cates of it all. Phoebe Cates, Jennifer Jason Lee. Yeah. Yeah, I think Fast Times was not, uh, later became a lot bigger than it actually was. It was more of like a was, cult. Movie. I thought it was. I thought it was pretty big, even when it came out. From what I heard, she got the short end of the stick. It was limited, limited release, uh, less than a hundred theaters. It started to do well, so the the studio scrambled and and started to add it to more screens right. retroactively. But um, it sounds they didn't like didn't do any marketing or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, it sounds like in all cases, every one of her mm -hmm. movies, she was not totally. People did not have a lot of faith in the projects and they were all quote unquote surprise hits because they never, none of the studios or people that were funding these movies ever really felt like they were going to be that good. Amy Heckerling, she should be talked about more yes. than I think she is and so we should fix that by talking about her on this podcast. Amy Heckerling was born in the Bronx. She went to NYU 
film school, then moved to Los Angeles and did the AFI program. And apparently she felt like a total outcast, which you can feel that in the way she writes these characters Ty. and the, yeah, the story. I mean, this is with Ty especially. This started out as a TV pilot but they didn't do anything with it. It like sat on the shelf for years and then finally she got like new agents and they were like, this is actually a really great script. This shouldn't be a pilot, this should be a movie. Well, it's also based off of Jane Austen. Not initially. Oh. It wasn't until she was asked to turn it into a feature that she started to re-examine it and realized that it had a lot of similarities oh. to Jane Austen's Emma. And so then she used that to format the feature. But she said that she was really influenced by people like Ed Wood, who was sort of blissfully unaware of his reputation and was just out there creating a film family and making these movies and thinking they were doing great work. When on the outside, people were sort of laughing at them and she wanted to write a story about a character like that. They talk about in the special features that Amy Heckerling told the cinematographer, who's Bill Pope, who did all the Matrix movies, Dark Man, he does a lot of Sam Raimi stuff. She told him that she just wanted the vibe to be happy. And so the way they found the look of this movie was they would just go through pictures from magazines and separate them into happy pile and non-happy pile. And they just took everything from the happy pile and said, this is the movie. And I would say they killed it. This movie is just a joyous, happy uh, movie. And I think yeah. that's the general appeal of it as a kid. First time seeing it is just like, I like the vibe of this movie. Mm -hmm. Like in the mid 90s, grunge and, and edge was in. When you look at other teen movies of 1995, you have movies like Kids which is very Ugh, gritty depressing. and dark. You have movies like Dangerous Minds. You have <laughs> Welcome to the Dollhouse, Empire Records. It's very angsty and cool. This is actually an outlier in the teen movies of the time because it wasn't trying, nothing about this movie is edgy. And I think it more movies kind of came out because like my other favorite teen movie is 10 Things I Hate About You. Mm -hmm. And that feels like it kind of follows in the tracks of Clueless in the way right. of like happy. Oh yeah, I think without this movie, you wouldn't have Legally Blonde. Yeah. Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. Bright and fun and showing high school in this like cool way. Yeah. Well, let's take a quick break and we will be right. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And we're back with Cinema Possessed, and we are talking Clueless. Good opening for this movie. The the soundtrack in general is pretty Iconic. incredible. Mm -hmm. 
I would say it's right there with Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, Spawn. Sp- why Spawn? Spawn had an incredible soundtrack. And you're just pulling that one out of <laughs> your hat? The or? soundtracks that I owned, Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, Dumb and Dumber, Spawn, Lost Highway, mm-hmm. Clueless. Mm-hmm. These are great 90s yeah. soundtracks. Uh-huh. This was the this was the era of the soundtrack and this movie has has a great one in there. I was looking up the lyrics to like the the song like I want to be a supermodel. Mm-hmm. I don't care what my teachers say. I'm going to be a supermodel. And <laughs> something that I thought while watching this movie was like, oh, this movie definitely taps into probably like <laughs> Uh, what made me have um, body dysmorphia? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm like trying. It's like eating disorders because it's like diet coke. I remember I was like, okay, that's what I have to do. I have to drink diet coke out of a straw. Very cool. I thought that was cool. Yeah, like that for sure. Um, they're constantly referencing about like diets throughout the whole movie. But I looked up the lyrics to that supermodel song, and one of the lines is, "I." Um, I'm not going to eat today. I'm not going to eat tomorrow because I want to be a supermodel. Right. And I'm like, oh, okay. It's That's all a, it's all clicking together uh, in the, my brain. It's a satirical song. First, for sure. Yeah. But I'm like that. It's just. I cringed a couple times in the movie. And one was when Paul Red grabs her waist and comments on her figure. Mm, yeah. You know what the scene I'm talking about? Yes. I can't remember the context of why he does that. But I think he's just like. He's trying to be cute and funny. Her, yeah, 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 yeah. Picking each but it's other. like, looks like you're gaining a little bit of weight and he like grabs her and it's like Ugh, yeah god yeah there's a handful of my, and it, ty later says like i love josh every time i see him he always finds some way to touch me mm-hmm. <laughs> i was like well that could be interpreted as creepy nowadays mm-hmm. but the also older college uh, i know guy hanging out with, with the high school, girls. high school girls always finds a way to touch me somehow yeah. uh, but we cannot act as if paul rudd isn't just such a dreamboat yeah i mean paul rudd is is awesome it, honestly he rivals Alicia in the beauty department. Like his eyes are incredible. Stunning. Everybody in the movie is so beautiful. I mean, Dion, who was 30 years old when she was shooting this movie. Yes. Most of them were in their 20s. Dion was almost in her 30s, but Alicia Silverstone was. And Brittany Murphy were 17 and 18. Brittany Murphy said that at the time she was actually a virgin who couldn't drive. Oh, she's so cute in the movie that it like pains me. Yeah. She's so sweet. She's so good. Yeah. She comes in and she represents the real world. Like if everybody else in the school is like the fantasy world, she comes in as like the normal person and then they create the fantasy of her. They corrupt her. There's a classroom scene that comes right away in this movie where you kind of get introduced to every character. You get introduced to Mr. Wells, who's played by Wallace Shawn, who we all know from Princess Bride, My Dinner with Andre. But you get introduced to everybody. You get Jeremy Sisto, Oh, I had Elton. the biggest crush on him. And watching it now, it's, I'm literally sad he turns out to be a creep in the movie because yeah. he is... In the, the this opening scene, he's digging through the CD book which brought back a lot of nostalgia. Did you ever have one of these CD books? It's it's not like pages. It's like one big long string of like plastic CD trays that are almost like in a, a 
accordion style. I remember having one and if you dropped it, it would like spill out like guts and you would have to kind of like fold it all back in there. And in the movie, he's got it completely strewn out over his desk. He says like, I can't find my cranberry CD. He's obsessed with the cranberries. Later on in the movie, when she gets a ride from him, he's listening to the turn away, turn away. (laughs) Oh, so cringe. I feel like this is kind of an anti-cranberries movie. That classroom scene too has the the classic scene where um, Cher gets up and she's giving her speech and she pr- mispronounces Haitian. She says Hadian. She's the yeah. Hadian people. And when they were shooting that, apparently the script supervisor like called cut, or well, didn't call cut, but on a cut, like Rant was running up to her to like correct her. Mm-hmm. And um, Amy Heckerling, she like goes, she was like, no, 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 don't do it, don't do it. It's too perfect. So that was an actual Alicia Silverstone messing mm-hmm. up the line. It's so it's adorable. cute. I know. So, okay. Like right now, for example, the Hadians need to come to America. But some people are all, what about the strain on our resources? But it's like, when I had this garden party for my father's birthday, right? I said RSVP because it was a sit-down dinner. But people came that, like, did not RSVP. So I was, like, totally bugging. I had to haul ass to the kitchen, redistribute the food, squish in extra place settings. But by the end of the day, it was like, the more, the merrier. And so, if the government could just get to the kitchen, rearrange some things, we could certainly party with the Hadians. Anytime there's a classroom scene in a movie, I'm always like looking out for, you know, whatever they're teaching in class is more than likely the theme of the movie. Hmm. And on the written on the board, it says tolerance is an important lesson. So they're talking about letting uh, refugees into the country and, and how we should be treating them, outsiders, which very much is what Ty is essentially like a refugee coming into their world. And Cher is treating her the way a good person would want to treat somebody. It made me want to go back and look at some of the script. And on the opening page, you know how some people will put like a quote on the opening page? Amy Heckerling put a quote, to be a human being means the possession of a feeling of inferiority. And that's a quote from Alfred Adler. And then underneath it, she puts a second quote that says, it ain't necessarily so, which is Ira Gershwin. So essentially saying some people don't feel inferior, aka share. She doesn't know what it's like to feel inferior. It doesn't make her a bad person, but she does not know what it's like to be a human. And so I think the journey of this movie for Cher is that she has to experience what it's like to be inferior in order for her to understand what it's like to be a human. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know what it kind of sounds like to me? Another film that we bring up all the time. Terminator 2. Terminator 2. I knew you were going to say <laughs> The journey of being a human. Mm-hmm. It all goes back to T2. Mm-hmm. It's, Every How many movies do you think we can link to T2? I mean, that just should become the, the, the conceit of cinema mm-hmm. possessed. <laughs> There's not much difference between Cher and Arnie. I buy that. One more th- a way that I thought that Arnie and Cher were, were similar. Yeah. You want to take a guess? Mm, they're both virgins. Okay, that's a good one. How do they look? Stunning. Yeah. They both have incredible <laughs> sense of style. That's oh, true. Yeah. Arnie, Arnie's iconic. Oh, yeah. Leather jacket. The fashion in uh, this movie. Iconic. Incredibly iconic. Mona May did the costumes for this movie. Every outfit is incredible. I would love to wear any of it right now today. It's so cool. It's a costume drama, which also relates to the fact that it's a Jane Austen. That's true. It kind of plays into that fantasy world. Totally. I mean, no high schooler ever. I mean, maybe 
in Beverly Hills, I guess. I don't know. But nobody looked like that. That's the way school. I was able to always justify it is like, this is a school for rich kids. Yeah. And therefore, these are the outfits that rich kids would wear. That computer that she uses at the beginning, I yeah. still think about that. I'm like, ah. Her touchscreen computer from the 90s. Yeah, yeah. What I like is that everybody has it. It's not like just the main characters have incredible outfits. Like if you look in the backgrounds, and the, most of these scenes have tons of extras in the backgrounds, they all have iconic outfits. Their gym uniforms are ridiculous. Oh. Like, Obsessed. Dion, mm -hmm. played by Stacey Dash, her outfits are cool too, because all of hers are like complemented by a hat, mm -hmm. like a big old hat. Did did y'all ever get into Dr. Seuss hats? Or was that just me? Oh, you mean like personal fashion? <laughs> yes. I did not get into that. Man, I had You were wearing top hats? Well, look, not at around home? not yes, at home. I so <laughs> when I realized that you could buy a, like a Dr. Seuss cat in a hat hat, it was all I fucking wanted and I got one. And there's one in this movie. When they go to the the Christmas party, there's a guy dancing in a Dr. Seuss hat. Wow. And then I got a I got a second one that had a it was red and black and it had WWF written on it. That was a cherished. Your position. homework is to find a photo of you wearing that. There's hat. there's got to be one. And then I had one that was a Mad Hatter hat. Like a, it was green. It was more in that sort of top hat style. Um, but it was big and wide and it had a uh, an Ace of Spades in the brim of it. Did you ever see Jack wearing anything like this? No. Well, I phased them out of my uh, my wardrobe by the time I met Corey, but they were. But I had multiple of them. But we met maybe when you were still wearing them sixth grade, <laughs> technically. Oh, when we first met, yeah. yeah, yeah, I was probably still wearing them at that point. <laughs> Very embarrassing. The thing that I think made the most transition fashion wise to like everyday people was the mini backpack. Was, does that mean anything to you guys? Mini backpacks? I mean, I can picture I've them. seen it. It yeah. means nothing Well, me. they wear them in the movie, and that was the first time I had ever seen that, and I became obsessed with that. Like, literally just a mini backpack, mm -hmm. and that was just... That and French manicures were the things that was, like, attainable. Like, okay, I can get a French manicure, right. and I can get a mini backpack. Not the gold water bottle carrying cases that, that she... That's, rocks that is really funny i would do that now but no it's on the cover of the dvd and there was uh, a shot when ty is describing her near-death experience and there's a water bottle on the table with a fully gold case holding the plastic water bottle and a strap i'm surprised <laughs> those haven't come back because like water bottles are truly all the rage again now yeah. Okay, I don't want to be a traitor to my generation and all, but I don't get how guys dress today. I mean, come on. It looks like they just fell out of bed and put on some baggy pants and take their greasy hair, ooh, and cover it up with a backwards cap. And like, we're expected to swoon? I don't think so. When she talks about men's fashion and how she's like, does not agree with it, um, they show all these shots of these guys walking in slow motion, which just cracking me up because they're so funny. <laughs> they they think they look so cool, and they got that Mott the Hoople song, all the young dudes. Uh, but they're like wearing like Jinko pants mm -hmm. and backwards hats. Did you ever want Jinko pants? I uh, that was something that was banned from my household in elementary school, fifth grade. Jinko pants were not allowed. That and right because you, guys you asked for them. They were very, very in, and I really wanted yes. to wear them. My dad was like, hell no. Also, do you remember Zap? Uh-huh. Remind me. You that. would write Zap on the top of your hand, and then mm -hmm. somebody would write a name on the bottom or underneath your hand, and then you'd you'd get zapped, and you'd have to, whoever the name was, you'd have to go ask them out. 
So that was a big thing that hmm. just also my dad hated. He like, I don't know. He thought it was like a gang initiation or something. <laughs> but Jinkos were so game. not allowed. But my friend Myra had them. And when we would go to the skating rink, she would bring me a pair and I would change into them in the bathroom. And I would skate with my boyfriend, Brandon Taylor, and we would hold hands. Both of us in Jinko pants. And then I would change out of them and give them back to Myra before I got picked up from the skating rink. You Cute. would change out of the Jinko pants. Oh my God, I could never go home in the Jinko pants, but I would wear them at the skating your rink. Your friend would take your pants home? They weren't. They so were she pants. would just, they were her pants. She would bring me an extra pair to wear when we were at the <laughs> skating hilarious. rink. And then she would take those pants home with her. I was never tempted because I always thought they looked kind of dumb, but I did also know that they technically made you cool. Yeah. And so I was always a little bit jealous. I have two Jinko pants stories. One was it was a kid <laughs> who always wore the same pair of Jinko pants. And for those who don't know exactly what Jinko pants are. Look it up. They're basically like fairly regular in the waist, but then as they go down to the floor, <laughs> they flare out like the size of disco They're balls. They're so dumb. And they completely cover your feet. So it's, it's like an extreme bell bottom, essentially. And so there was this kid at school who always wore them and he was kind of a little brat and he would, you know how sometimes like there would be ketchup packets on the ground and you could step on them and it would squirt them out. He would do that. He would like play a little game where he would like step on ketchup packets on the ground and squirt them into the walls and stuff. And one time he stepped on a ketchup packet and it squirted inside of his jink. His pants were so <laughs> wide that the ketchup squirted inside. And when he realized it happened, his genuine response to it was, ah, shit-tastic. You, you reap what you Jenko. I'm shocked that you didn't wear Jenko pants, Justin, because you had an eyebrow ring in high school. So it you feels were like it for went... A Jinko Again, pant. where, how would I buy Jenko pants? How I don't did have you get money. your eyebrow yeah, pants? how did you get the eyebrow? That was, that was in between high school and college. That oh, <laughs> so you were no longer under the, like, gotta pass this no, by I, my parents. Wow, I, I thought that was in high school. No, I had a job since I was 16. So I, I, I had my own money. And then before going to college, I was like, oh, I have to do something to become cool. To reinvent myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you bleach it, your hair as no, well? No, no, How long okay. did you wear the ring? Did you wear it for a full year? Did it go further than a Not year? Not even a full year. Not even. First of all, it wasn't like I wanted to do it because I thought it would look cool. Mm -hmm. For me, it was all about the <laughs> the rite of passage. It was, oh. I can sit through somebody sticking a needle through oh, my eyebrow. I didn't want to do it Don't because lie, I you thought you looked cool. Honestly, that's the most Justin thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I had no piercings ever in my life. I wasn't allowed to get piercings again. So yeah. this was my... I had a really Rebelling. big rebellion phase yeah. your late in life. Did parents flip when you did it? Yeah, of course. <laughs> My parents almost disowned me. We were th for the eyebrow. Ring. They were this close to <laughs> kicking me out onto the street. I mean, I was willing to throw it all. Uh, I was so angsty and depressed and frustrated yeah. and exploring life that I was willing to throw everything <laughs> my parents gave me away. On, on, that's probably the reason why most people get eyebrow rings, lip rings, belly button rings. It is a form of, mm -hmm. of expression, my, but it's also a form of My protest. parents have done literally nothing but love me. <laughs> and, and you hate them with yeah. all your heart. <laughs> um, my second story about Jinko pants is that one time uh, uh, me and my friends, one of us discovered that there was a bunch of porno magazines in a trash can way off in a playground. So we all trekked out to get them and the trash can was filled with water and we dug out 
multiple hardcore porno magazines and we decided to take them back home and one of my friends was wearing jinko pants and so he was able to roll the magazines up and fit them completely into his pockets and you didn't even notice he had magazines in there <laughs> that's how wide these pants were that's a good advertisement for the Honestly. pants yeah you can sneak porno magazines jinko pants are also coming back in style which no. is in Sane. Yeah. <sighs> Speaking of men's style, uh, we also get introduced to Dion's boyfriend, who is played by Donald Faison. His love name is Murray. Him. Murray's so cute. He's incredibly cute. I love Dion and Murray so much. And I remember thinking, like, wow, this is like height. This is like what like an adult relationship is. I remember thinking it was like really cool yeah. and sexy. And that's another thing about this movie, is these are all kids. And they're all still living with their parents and they're all basically these really privileged kids, but they think they have adult lives and they talk about each other. Like there's the scene at the party when when uh, Murray is getting his head shaved and Dion comes in and she's, she's like, I'm going like, to call your mother. She's, she's freaking out and he's like, I'm keeping it real. I'm keeping it real. <laughs> and she goes, we're about to take yearbook photos. What will our grandchildren think? <laughs> so they're like, they're really planning their whole lives in this high school. Also, this is the movie that taught me the expression, uh, the time of the month. When he says, is it the time of the month again? I remember asking, what does that mean? And my parents being like, uh, it's a period. It's, it's a period thing. Mm. This movie actually taught me a lot of things. I didn't know what the word um, sporadically meant until this movie. And I still, whenever somebody says sporadically, I think of the scene. That's the cutest where Cher part. Where teaches uh, Ty what sporadically she's like, I, ho I hope I don't, I'm not seeing you sporadically. Or oh, she's so cute. Yeah, cute. So yeah, they end up going to, they get uh, invited to a party in the Valley. And of course they fucking hate the Valley, <laughs> which, what do you guys think about the Valley? I like the Valley. Well, I love the Valley now as an adult, but like when we first moved out here, everybody was like, oh my God, you're living in the Valley. It's and still, there's still judgment there's still about judgment it for sure. about the Valley. I think it's undeserved. I think the Valley gets cooler and cooler every year. I think it helps because <laughs> we're getting older. It, yeah, it helps that we're getting older. It helps that we've lived in the Valley a couple of times. So I have we, a different, different take on the Valley. What's it, your take? Well, it's, uh, I, I think it, it's not as shitty as people say it is, it's, but it, I also don't love it. Mm. I think it's a little bit, not to say that you're being, but I think it's a little bit pretentious is when people are like- To not like the valley? To not like the valley. It's like cool to like the east side and it's cool to not like the valley. Like what that's is, a very Los Angeles trope. What is your issue with the valley? Well, number one issue, number one issue is none of my friends live there. That's a, the, anywhere is cool so if all of your friends are there. I guess that's true, that's, but that's more subjective. I like the parking. I like Hell that yeah. I can park a little mm -hmm. bit easier. Mm -hmm. I don't like the commercialness of everything. What makes the east side cool is that there's a lot of diversity, right. not just in the geography and the people who are there, but there's also businesses, restaurants, cafes. More there's, unique. There's more unique uh, places to check out. So when friends are getting together to say, hey, where do you want to go? You don't hike in the valley. You don't go for a walk in a neighborhood in the valley. Yeah. You don't want to well, go to, yeah. uh, you know, Republic of Pi and listen to some dude <laughs> hey, who's writing yeah. a screenplay strum on his ukulele with Wait, a fedora. Wait, you want to go to Intelligentsia and listen no, to some No, I don't go to Intelligentsia. I go to, I go to Kumquat. I go to Maru. Yeah, I think all my other pretentious <laughs> uh <-huh>. spots. <laughs> I, I get what you're saying. Although I think that there, I think there is a charm to the valley. I I like for one, there's like a movie vibe to the valley. I, when I think of movies, I can associate a lot of movies with the valley. The next time we record this podcast, we might be in the valley. Jack and I are moving there. I can a associate week. a lot of movies with Beverly Hills. I actually don't associate any movies with the East Side. 
I'd rather you be in the valley than be near the grove. Hey. Dang, you're just busting you out. Hey, yeah, that's a this. point for the valley. <laughs> <laughs> well, in to- this movie, I feel like they hate the valley because it's poor people. Poor. <laughs> yeah. Poor people live in the valley. No, no, I don't think they necessarily disgust poor people. They don't, but that is implied. But there is like, just like there's clothes you don't wear. There's places you don't want to be. And that's also where we get the iconic line from her dad of like, everywhere in LA takes 20 minutes. Yes. So we haven't talked about him. Dan Hedaya plays her dad. So good. He's a lawyer. Clearly has instilled this idea in Cher that she can get anything she wants by arguing. Mm -hmm. And he's proud of that. When she tells him that she's got a C, she's like, but don't worry. The grades are just a jumping off point for negotiations. And when she eventually does talk her way into better grades, he says, I couldn't be more proud if they were real grades. Mm-hmm. Justin, you very much were a great arguer at one point in time where you, I think you believed you could argue your way out of anything. Really? When we first met in college, we would have film productions and if somebody told us no, like we couldn't shoot somewhere or we couldn't get something, you truly believed you could talk anybody and you did for the most part you were able to talk your (laughs) talk us into situations we would break something and you could talk the people out of punishing us for breaking the thing (laughs) making me emotional (laughs) i think you have since realized that you don't have to do that and you probably shouldn't do that but i think at the time you really believed i the before we were even friends we had a class together and you would come in late constantly Mm -hmm. and when the teachers would say justin you're late you would fire back with reasons why they were dumb (laughs) for getting on to you about being late because like what can you do you know um and and I remember being like sort of iffy about you because I was like, God, he like argues with the teachers all the time. But you won me over I, very quickly. I'm paying their salary. Hey, no. right. Did we skip the part where Dan Hedaya yells at Brit- Brittany Murphy to get out of his chair? <laughs> so funny. At the dinner table, yeah. get out of my chair. Yeah. yeah, that's right before they they go to the party. Yeah, he, it, she introduces Brittany Murphy, doesn't even say hi. Get out of my chair. <laughs> Oh, and we get a, we get a little glimpse of who Cher's mom was by just a painting, and she says that her mom died from an, a, a routine liposuction <laughs> procedure. And that's also where we get the term. She was like, "My mom was a real Betty," and that comes up a couple times. Yes. and I love that term for like. There's Betty's. A and, there's Betty's and Barney's, and do you know what it's based off of? No, the Flintstones. So oh. Betty and Barney were a couple. Uh-huh. Betty was hot, and Barney was kind of this dork. And so that's where it comes from, a, a hot Betty and kind of a dorky, schlubby Barney. Oh. Back to her mom, I thought that painting looked like Greta Gerwig. It did. Greta Gerwig is about to do the new Barbie movie. I have to say, I don't know what the tone of the new Barbie movie is going to be. It I'm is very, very bright and colorful. Exactly. Like and there is a 2001 Space Odyssey reference in this movie. It cuts to a shot of Cher's phone, this big black phone that is like framed the way the monolith is framed in 2001. And you have that Zuthspake Zarathustra music playing. And the new Barbie trailer does the same kind of reference. That's true, it does. So I'm, I'm feeling some clueless connection to the new Barbie movie and seeing the painting of Cher's mom looking like Greta Gerwig uh, just makes me think I, I really hope that those connections continue because I want to love the Barbie movie. I'm worried it's going to be like a Lego movie or... Um, but Noah Baumbach and her yeah, wrote do you, it. You don't, you don't have like... You don't think that because it's Gerwig and Baumbach behind it that there's going to be something pretty unique about it? You okay. know all too well from 
big Hollywood mega studio movies with brands. There's going to be a lot of, uh, yeah. they take the name, they take everything that you love about it, they throw it away, and they just make you do their movie. They storyboard I, I, it for you. I believe you. in Greta Gerwig. I don't think that's going to be the case with this. I do have more faith in Gerwig and Bombuck to do, to do something special with it. One, I have no allegiance or care about Barbie. So there's nothing I'm expecting other than like, give me a good movie. No, what I'm saying, when I say I'm worried it's gonna be like a Lego movie or- um, I like Lego movie. Or that it's not gonna be based in reality, that it's gonna be, it's what you're saying you want it to be like Clueless is Clueless is, even though it's surreal and yeah. fantastical, it's still based on Beverly Hills High School in Los Angeles sure. in the 90s. And I think that this is gonna be based in a total fantasy land where people are acting like toys. Well, you, but you don't know that. I don't know we that. We don't know no. anything about it. That's, That's why I said this is my worry. Right, yeah. My heart's open for Barbie. Cool. So then they go to this party in the valley. This party honestly did remind me of high school parties that mm -hmm. I did go to for sure. The infamous suck and blow scene. Yes. Did you ever play suck and blow? Mm -mm. Never. That's so wild to me because Suck and Blow is how I got like multiple of my first kisses was in wow. Truth or Dare or Suck and Blow. Like I went to a theater summer camp a lot growing up mm -hmm. and theater kids are wild, I guess. And so we're trying to be. You get the kiss when you fail the game, right? When you can't suck it. To yes, keep but it in everybody your mouth. purposely fails the game all of the time. Yeah, yeah and, which, which is what Alvin it's does. It's foreshadowing the sexual assault That's in, true. in the next scene. That true. is true. This is true. Did you go to high school? parties like this at all yeah not until my junior and senior year of high school yeah that was same with jack but there was i mean this movie is not making it clear that they're i mean i guess they they show them smoking a joint uh -huh. and are people drinking yeah yeah in in my high school people would walk around with handles yeah, of captain morgan i know isn't that insane captain morgan black captain morgan oh yeah i mean back then you're drinking whatever the sweet you're breaking yeah. schnapps bacardi malibu rum. malibu rum was a big one smirnoff ice yeah lots of smirnoff ice this is a christmas party too do you guys notice that it's it doesn't really register oh. because the movie is in la and it's not really themed but there's santa claus snowmen candy canes everybody's in red uh Cat in the Hat hat. That also feels like another Jane Austen reference. There's the Elton character who in the 96 movie is played by Alan Cummings multiple times in that film. He's He says some corny line like, a party is a party, but a Christmas party is, is something. <laughs> did you watch that? I did, yeah. That's the one with Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, I wanted to be more, I never read the book, so I wanted to be more familiar yeah, with I the, watching the mythology of the world that How did Clueless you like was the movie? based on. Uh, boring. It was, it was well done. Okay. It was, um, you know, that period I think is something that people either love it or they hate it. I love it. I you, the I Pride and Prejudice. Have you ever watched any Jane Austen? Yeah, movies? I've seen a few. I didn't. I didn't hate it, mm -hmm. and it definitely grew on me. I have a hard time with like Shakespeare, uh, old language stuff mm -hmm. like that. How would you compare Gwyneth Paltrow to Alicia? She's adorable, man. Which one? Gwyneth Paltrow. Both of okay, them, yeah. obviously. But Gwyneth Paltrow steals the show in that movie. I mean, she's so charming. So if they went head to head, Cher versus Emma, who would who, oh. who was more sympathetic as a character to you? There's not really much to the Gwyneth Paltrow character of Emma. Go figure. Yeah. You know, she's kind of a hater, too. I read an interview where she was like... Um, when she was promoting Emma, mm -hmm. she said, you know, I, w I wanted to make this movie because I didn't want people's first introduction to the story of Emma to be clueless. 
Well, that was a young Clueless is a great Gwyneth film. Paltrow, but yes, that's yeah, the best yeah. way for somebody to be introduced sure. to it. Mm-hmm. Would you disagree? Well, I mean, you're. I, I'm assuming you're making her sound more awful than she is. You're giving her a nasty voice and putting sass on it. It's okay, like, I'm sorry. Gwen. Is that how she delivers? That's the way it? it reads. That's the way it reads. Well, why? How else would you say? I didn't want people's first experience to see. I love the movie Clueless, but I didn't want that. She to didn't be. say she loved uh-huh. it. She said it was sass. I tell you, she said it was sass. Uh, uh, in this scene, there is something that bothers me about this party scene. Elton gets into like a line dance with these other girls and one of these girls' shoe flies off and hits Ty in the head and knocks her out. They revive Ty and Elton, he says, um, can you do this? Rolling with the homies. And she says, rolling with the homies. That's not how you sing the song. They're singing it wrong. It's rolling with the homies. Jerry, can you do this? Rolling with the homies. Rolling with the homies. Yeah, let's do it. It's not with the homies. That's always just bugged me. Mm-hmm. It happens in movies a lot where characters will sing songs out of tune, not in the right melody. Sing it the way they sing it in the song. Well, he claims that he imp- that that wasn't choreographed or scripted. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. The well, well, he needs to be more aware yeah. of how the song goes. <laughs> he tricks her he into may, singing it wrong. He may not have listened to the song i don't know yeah i wonder how that then maybe they were playing it on set Mm -hmm. you know as just like as you do as background this scene is just is the beginning of showing how amazing of a physical comedian britney murphy is oh she's so good she's so good like she like the slapstick Mm -hmm. which she's really the only character who has lots of slapsticky kind of things in Mm -hmm. the movie and she's so like authentic and truthful in it it's just there's that great I can't scene get enough at the next party when she's coming down the stairs and she falls down the stairs <laughs> it's so funny also too it's really endearing how it's so clear that ty is in love with travis breckenmeyer who plays travis she thinks everything he does is cool there's multiple scenes where he like comes in on a skateboard and she's like god that was so cool and then there's a scene in this party where he falls <laughs> he doesn't He's, fall he like jumps on he, yeah he like flies yeah. through and the does crowd. she she says something like <laughs> Um, I could never do that. And he's like, well, thank goodness you can't do that because if, if girls started doing that, what would boys do to impress yeah. them? <laughs> and it's it's really sad that Cher just fucking, it's not like she hates Travis, but she's constantly she, yeah. like, get out of here. He tries to help when Ty gets knocked out. She's like, we have this, Travis. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of this movie is about Cher being so self-centered that she doesn't see the world around her clearly. And there's like multiple montages in which Elton is hugging her, kissing her, and she's reciprocating it too. It does watching. I think if you watched the movie for the first time, you would assume that they are boyfriend and girlfriend. And so then when she starts hooking him up with, trying to hook him up with Ty, he is confused, and she doesn't see it at all. She doesn't understand why he's confused. I didn't. Uh, I didn't understand the appeal of that character. I just found him disgusting the whole movie, and he's he was just gross. Cute. He was grossing me out even before he sexually assaulted her in the car at the circus liquor, and then left for dead. Even though she t- she says like, "Leave me alone," and he goes, "Fine," and then she immediately goes, "Wait, where are you going?" The point. I feel like the point of Emma of Jane Austen's Emma is. She's so busy playing matchmaker to everybody else mm-hmm. that she almost misses out on her own chance of love. Right. And I think that that thread is pretty similar in Clueless mm-hmm. where she's always 
matching her friends and matching the teacher and yep. busy focused on Ty. My favorite part after that scene when Paul Rudd comes to pick her up with his girlfriend and they're both like, yeah. you know, the girlfriend's super pretentious mm-hmm. and talking all about Hamlet and fucking Cher schools her ass. Yeah. She was like, Hamlet didn't say that. She's like, how would you know? She's like, well, I know everything Mel Gibson. Just like Hamlet said, to thine own self be true. Uh, no, uh, Hamlet didn't say that. <laughs> I think that I remember Hamlet accurately. <laughs> well, I remember Mel Gibson accurately, but he didn't say that. That Polonius guy did. <laughs> she knows things. She just knows them from different ways, which you can see in Paul Rudd's eyes. He's like, okay. She's missing the brother right under her nose that she could be. Because true. she's getting distracted mm-hmm. by the hunky new boy Christian. Hey, Duchess. Yes? You ration this weekend? Huh? Like Saturday. I'm new, but I thought maybe you had an in on the heavy clam bakes. Well, my ex-stepbrother's friends are having a party. Solid. I love this trope because, just like Cher, I also was in love with a gay guy in high school, and I think a lot of girls were because... They were more stylish, cooler, cuter, nicer, had the same interests. Right. And I was very much like Cher, very, very, I'm not going to name him on this podcast, but Mm -hmm. my friends who are listening will know, very in love with the guy in high school and much like Cher, essentially begged him to take my virginity (laughs) and (laughs) set it up for it to happen. At that point, did you know that? that Did I know he was gay? Absolutely not. So how did he explain it to you? Uh, just um, wasn't it very similar to the Christian? Where he very just avoided similar, you? avoided it. Well, avoid not avoided me. Like we would like cuddle and stuff, but it would just like yeah, avoid the situation ever. Avoid ever being able the situation to happen. You found out later. Yes, yes. But it's it was watching it. It was really funny to me because I was like, wow, I did the same thing Cher was doing. Now, would you say that this plot line? Uh huh. Could this play out today? Because we live in a in a much different culture now where. Uh, we are much more aware of gay culture. Is this like a '90s specific situation? I think it is '90s specific. I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not gay, so I don't know. You would have to ask someone. But I mean, I think there's lots of people who still are in the closet and trying to hide it in high school. And well, stuff I would, like that. I would argue that Christian's not trying to hide it. I would argue that Christian is kind of just being he's just completely being himself. who he is. That's She's true. not seeing it. Well, because Christian in the movie doesn't, I don't think he realizes that Cher is not just wanting to exactly. be like his friend yeah. until they're laying in the bed and she's like rubbing his feet and he's like uh i have to go home and honestly looking back that is very much what was happening to me in the time he did not have a girlfriend right (laughs) yeah i i just wonder if you i think you would have to play it differently to try to do the same thing nowadays because it's just so obvious when you watch the movie that they're giving us all the signs that he's gay and she's missing completely all of them but a teen girl like i'm right i'm not thinking about that i'm just I was so boy crazy. Cher was boy crazy for Christian. It's so funny that she's multiple people are like 
kind of fawning over Cher. She's not interested in them at all. And then the second Christian comes in, she's like, this is the man. And it's I think it's purely because he dresses so well. I, I don't find him attractive. I think he's the definition of a goober. Christian? Yeah. For yeah, he's sure. I mean, he is a goober. He's got this like a uh, rat pack 1940s style, <laughs> the way he dresses, the way he talks, the way his hair is, yeah. which is definitely the reason why she's so gaga over him is because he has a bold fashion choice. Well, the next one thing about Christian that I love in that in the next kind of party scene is when they go to the club to go out dancing mm-hmm. the band it, the who, mighty mighty boston yes and it reminded me so much of like save ferris was like it's is it ska is that the style it's, yeah it's like big band <laughs> it's swing i think it's maybe swing but kind but more like I don't, I can't even do an impression of it. Never had you knock on wood. Because I know someone who has. It made me wonder if I could. And I just remember thinking like, this is cool. I thought it was so cool back then. It had a moment. Justin's shaking his head. I don't remember that um, genre of music. Oh, really? I had a Save Ferris album. Yeah, I was never really tempted by it because I didn't love it. It always kind of felt, it, it was around a little bit with the No Doubt stuff. And there was a lot of it in like the Tony Hawk video games it was like more punk swing versions of it yeah <laughs> and he has a ridiculous stage dive at the end of that scene. and yeah. in, when they were actually shooting that movie they were completely fucked up in the like, band yes the band. oh mm. interesting there's a funny moment where josh is dancing with a girl and and uh ty is like do you think she's prettier than me and shit and Cher says oh no she's a monet she looks okay from far away but up close she's a total mess and then she brings christian over and she says christian what do you think and he goes hagsville <laughs> I love when Paul Rudd makes a decision to go to the party. He says to Dan Hedaya, yeah, I'm just going to go go check on, you know, make sure she's okay. And he's like, yeah, you go do that. And then the camera lingers on Dan Hedaya and he like just kind of like, yeah, like he knows Paul Rudd has a crush on to me. That's a part his that daughter that wouldn't. Yeah. It, Dan Hedaya's character who basically threatens to shoot Christian when he comes to picture <laughs> mm-hmm. up. There's no fucking way. No way. There's no fucking way that he would be OK with no. Josh. Yeah. His uh, technically his stepson mm-hmm. from a from a former marriage. Well, I love how he says that. he was like, you divorce people. You don't divorce children. Yeah. There's no way he would be OK with them dating. They would have to hide that. The sequel to Clueless could be about the whole situation of them having to like navigate how to present that. to. I dad. love Sharon, her dad's relationship, though. And she's like, Daddy, you can't have that. Like, it's very cute. Oh, when on the way home from this party, Cher has a good idea to pick up a bunch of takeout and bring it to her dad and the people. Anybody who's ever had that happen to them knows that that's a that's a lifesaver. Have you ever been to like a party and then all of a sudden somebody comes in with like a bunch of McDonald's chicken sandwiches? I literally just did that at a party. It's the best thing in the world. You are a hero. You're a hero. If you're on the fence about Cher, when she says, let's get a bunch of takeout and bring it home to dad and his colleagues, she's like, it's, you yeah. couldn't ask for a better she's person. She's thoughtful. She's not entirely self-centered. No. The freeway scene. Favorite scene in the whole movie. It's that so, is. I was cracking up. Yeah, Yo, you're getting on the freeway. What? No, turn right. Who got out of the lane. No, no, no. Okay. 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 Get the procedure. Just oh. get out of the lane. It's Donald Faison's great. I when he turns lo- the camera, ah! I just love how that scene is played. It's it's obviously heightened a little bit, but mm-hmm. everyone is actually acting scared. 
So the stakes feel real. <laughs> yeah. It's taking a funny joke of like, you know, the freeway in LA being like a scary yeah. thing. And I just like how it keeps heightening from the grandma who gives him the finger <laughs> to mm -hmm. the motorcycle the, gang to the, the Mack truck. Yeah. And then right after it, Cher tells us they went from technically to fully not virgins. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, so then the 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 mall scene happens and then that's where the turn in tie. Yeah. So now we get kind of like an all is lost sequence where Cher fails a driving test, which is her first taste of actual failure. She first she she does something that she can't talk her way out of. Right. She comes home and she finds a tie is flirting with Josh. They're playing hacky sack together. And then she's like, I need to talk to you, Cher, about like I, I'm finally ready to get rid of all of my stuff that reminds me of Elton. Mm -hmm. And that is so true. I saved everything. Speaking of this same boy we've been referencing this whole thing, I had a box. My friend Alex, another name drop. In high school, there was like some wall that like had he pictures of, I don't know, us. Like it was from the band. It was like, this person's going to be from the band? featured. It was like on the band wall. That's what Alex stole this picture from okay. in the band room. The, oh, his, band, like the band class. The band class. School. It like had everybody's picture on the wall or something. And my yeah. friend Alex ripped it off of the wall and gave it to me like like as a funny like little present. And I still to this day have a box with like a bunch of stuff that reminded me of him. And it, like that picture was in there. I think like a script that we had both worked on in class I kept in there. Like tickets from something we went to together. I 100% had that had that box it's so you're still so into this guy you've not moved <laughs> yeah, on it not one moved day on. I'm, in, yeah, I'm pretty if, sure you still if have he's that out box. there listening yeah. and he wants to oh. and there was also like a curl of hair in there and like <laughs> i wouldn't teeth? be surprised i was a psycho boy crazy boy crazy and if but it, it was, just felt it, so realistic when she was like we have to burn this stuff like we did that yeah like me and my like group of girlfriends when like our hearts were broken or something like that i mean the whole reason jack and i are together is because i made a pact in high school with my friend katie that i was gonna kiss him on new year's eve kiss jack on kiss new jack on new year's eve me and her that day we talked to each other on the phone we're like we're doing it we're doing it and i did so it started as like a dare basically. not a dare i had had a big crush on jack I dare and you to kiss that loser <laughs> i mean he was until i came along mm -hmm. you also i think earlier in the year didn't you call that you were gonna like take me to prom yeah but that was before i even liked you, you i had done you that a year your before shot. i did i truly did not at that care. point because at we that didn't point really know we didn't know each other so Still why did Goo -Goo you pick Gaga. jack in the first place i it was just totally by random i just saw I was him just there man i didn't even know him didn't even talk to him i just thought like oh i could maybe take him yeah he seems easy yeah and he was <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah but so i it just a lot of the things like i know this movie is like heightened in so many ways but in so many ways it is tapping into girlhood in such a specific way yeah. that i just absolutely love it's obvious between... and it's not it's not making fun of it either no. it's just like showing it it's very and obvious that. between this, Fast Times, even Look Who's Talking, Amy Heckerling is very, very in tune with the way teenagers and, and particularly women feel in situations and is just representing. And I'm sure she's just pulling it all from her own personal mm -hmm. experiences. But then so, she says, you're a virgin who can't drive. Ty calls Cher a virgin who can't drive. I was like, why am I even listening to you to begin with? You're a virgin who can't drive. Oh, that was way harsh, Ty. Cher is completely humbled, humiliated. This is the inferior thing. 
She's now experiencing what it's like to be inferior for the first time, and this is how she becomes a human being. This is her arc here. She goes on like a walk of shame. She says that she's in a shame spiral. Uh, she walks past this house. Did you, did you notice this house in here that's like kind of like a Disney-looking house? It's like a, a- It's a famous house you can drive by in LA. Yeah, this is in Beverly Hills. It's cool looking. It's called the mm-hmm. Spadina House, the storybook mm-hmm. house. Yeah. She, she comes to realize in this moment that she's actually in love with Josh. And um, comes out of it wanting to be a better person. She says she needs uh, her her soul needs a makeover, and this is when she decides to start like doing this Pismo Beef release release fund thing, where she mm-hmm. starts doing. Is the Pismo Beach th- is that a real thing? It's a real beach. But was there a disaster there? <laughs> yeah, I don't know I if don't, there was an actual the disaster. Top I do feel like the movie quickly. So to get from Brittany Murphy telling her, "I have a crush on Josh," mm-hmm. to then her realizing, "Wait." I have, I have a crush, a crush on Josh. Josh to that not even being a conflict between yeah. them. She lucks out that Brittany Murphy yeah. moves on from Josh pretty quickly. Yeah, off camera. You don't even see I it. I mean, she's always been attracted to Travis. Yes. But she needs to sort of, I guess, feel the freedom. You know what it probably is? In the parallel story, the fact that Ty and Cher have this falling out not only reveals to share what she needs to be a better human, but it probably reveals to Ty, now that I don't have this societal mm. pressure that Cher is putting on me to date somebody like Josh or like Elton, I can go with the person who I'm really in love with, which is Travis. Because when we see them meet back up again, they didn't plan to meet up at Travis's skateboarding competition. Ty was just there. Yeah. And that's how that's how Cher's, you know, soul makeover is represented too. Is not only is she giving back and donating to this relief fund, but she actually is supportive of Travis now. She doesn't look at Travis as an underling anymore. Yeah. I love that scene so much. And when Ty and Cher like talk and they're like, I'm sorry, no, I'm sorry, and they hug each other, it made me truly tear up and I wrote down girl relationships rule because they do. And there is just something about girl friendships that are so beautiful and guys will just never understand. And I'm sure you have your own beautiful thing too. We're working on it. But women relationship, it just made me be like, wow, like I'm so lucky that I have like a core group of my friends that I grew up with like in high school that I'm still very close with. And it made me, I mean, I've referenced them multiple times on this podcast. It makes me so happy I have them and I have adult female friendships. And it just was like, there needs to be more movies about female friendships because it is just something so special and beautiful. It really is. In the scene where Travis brings some donations and he brings his bong, he reveals that he's gone to rehab, <laughs> which feels kind of extreme for somebody who seems to just smoke weed. But back at the, I think back at this time, that, yeah. that was rehab worthy. Right. People were scared of it. I mean, your parents were really scared of weed. Oh, I think every parent was. I mean, maybe not your parents. <laughs> <laughs> Is this making the cut? Uh, <laughs> I don't care. Again, Brecken Meyer is really good in the movie. Travis. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He was great. He seems to like in the behind the scenes stuff. He claims to like not really be in, not a stoner himself, and not like. Uh, he said that they were the ones who beat him up. And I stoners. Yeah, he was like, I'm basically just playing the guys that used to beat me up. But he plays them so sweetly. Yeah, he's that liter- He says he literally studied Spicoli. Yeah, John Penn from mm-hmm. from Fast he, Times. That feels very. Mm-hmm. And a to he, B. he gave um he gave snaps to uh, Keanu Reeves in Bill and Ted as well, mm-hmm. which you can sort of see that in the smile. Mm-hmm. And stuff. He's so cute. Then there's the scene where Josh and Cher are together. They end up telling each other that they care about each other. Well, he also is like, I mean, you don't need to be doing this. You're 
you're popular and cool and beautiful. She's like, you think I'm beautiful? (laughs) You know you're beautiful. You know you're gorgeous. Yeah, I was like, oh, that was like my dream was to have a boy say that to me. For those who can't see, Corey's just (laughs) zoning out into the corner of the room. So how do we feel? How do now that we're there? How do we all feel about the the brother or sister? Does it feel incestuous to you in a, in a gross way? I refuse to let it feel that way. Well, well, <laughs> let me rephrase the question. Why does it have to be? What what does the movie gain from making it her stepbrother? Why can't it just be? I think it's because he needs to be in the house a lot. Yeah, I mean, there you could you could argue that there's a way that they could so have done it without making it a in the. Jane Austen novel. He is Mr. Knightley, mm-hmm. and he is um, his brother is married to Emma's sister, so that's why he's always around. So he's the brother of Emma's sister's husband. Yeah. So it would be basically it'd be like if Paul Rudd had a brother. Yeah. And his brother was so he's married still to, kind of in the family to Cher's uh, sister, which she doesn't have. Right. So um, it's like a brother-in-law in that. That could be an excuse. Well, I guess that's still a brother-in-law. Here too, right? They're both brother-in-laws. They're stepchildren. Yeah, but all it's a lot more common for two brothers to be married to two sisters True. than for stepbrother and sister to be. Yeah. But they're ex-stepbrother and sister. Technically. I know, but they did there live is no, together. Sure. There is no blood. Yeah, no blood. And True. they only live together. What I, Doesn't it even reference like a certain yeah. amount of months, I like wanna, five yeah, months? Yeah, I want to say it was very short-lived. It's 100% actually... not incest. That's yes, for yes, sure. Yes, 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 yes. And... Yeah. Which I, I'm sure turns off a lot of our listeners <laughs> because they need that blood relation in there mm-hmm. in order for it to be mm-hmm. romantic to them. Mm-hmm. Sorry, y'all, you freaks. Uh, but yeah, for me, it works fine. I have no issue with it. Yeah, at all. it doesn't offend me. Doesn't offend me. It feels unlikely that dad would be okay with it, but yeah, yeah for I'm sure. That's suspension of disbelief. And then the movie ends with the wedding of Mrs. Geis and uh, Mr. Wells. Amy Heckerling makes a cameo in the scene. She is a bridesmaid. She's standing beside Cher. You can oh, barely see her that. there, but she's there. It's she's, her M night. It's her M night mm-hmm. moment. The, it ends with a really good kiss between Paul Rudd. Yeah, and there's Alicia some tongue. Good kiss. It was a good kiss. And I love, I love that, that scene too. They're all talking about like, what would you what. What's your bridesmaid's dress? And Dion's like, I'm going to have sailor outfits for all my bridesmaids. I'm going to wear a sailor hat. Mm-hmm. And uh, Murray says, y'all are bugging. And then Paul Rudd says, I think I'm bugging myself. <laughs> <laughs> and then the videotape, the, I didn't actually watch all the way to the end on the, on the Blu-ray. Justin, did you happen to watch through the end of the credits? No. Probably doesn't have it, but I remember the videotape for Clueless. If you, if you watched all the way through the credits, you then got a nice music video. Oh, I remember this. For that, um, we are young. I do remember that as well. Cute. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with our final thoughts on Clueless. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Them 
And we're back with Cinema Possessed. Justin, now that we've talked it out, final thoughts. How do you like the movie Clueless? Is it a Monet? Or? Or is it a Betty? And mm. likewise, the, the, the Blu-ray that you own. Are you going to keep it? Are you going to trash it? Are you going to upgrade it? Yeah, I think, um, you know, look, I'm, I, I'm always looking for ways to pass my stuff on to the listeners of our show. And it pains me when I when I like a movie because then that means I'm not gonna give it give it away. And you're kinda like share in that way. You're kinda <laughs> like share at the end of the movie where you just you wanna give back. You actually care about that more than your own self centered interests. Yeah. I wanna give back, but I'm not gonna. I was gonna say if you were, I want that <laughs> steel I'm case. Not gonna. Yeah. Um, I like the movie. It's a time capsule. It's nostalgic. Mm-hmm. It's funny. It's a gem. It will be interesting to watch the next decade. Yeah. Next decade after that, see how the movie keeps evolving. It's not typically what I go for in a movie, but I appreciate it. I love it. I had fun. I laughed a lot, mm-hmm. which that, you know, sometimes you over overthink something and it spoils it for you, but you just have to go with your gut and, and it made me happy. Nice. Corey, final thoughts on Clueless? It's a Betty, baby. I love this movie. It just was a is seminal. Is that the right word? Well, seminal semen, means seminal. Yeah, semen. Think of semen when you say seminal. seminal. So that means that it would be the beginning of something. It would be something that birthed. It was a inspired. seminal movie for me then. It birthed my love of this. It, it means more like influential. Yeah, that's what I would say. Oh, okay, okay. I would sure. say actually birth is wrong. Uh, influential. I would say it's a seminal movie for me <laughs> you're pronouncing it correctly seminal. the first time oh, okay. seminal but it's why'd you guys say semen because it's funny i wanted you to say that. the oh, etymology man. is semen mm-hmm. okay well seminal a seminal movie for me <laughs> i wanted to be alicia silverstone i thought Cher was the coolest mm-hmm. i thought the fashion was amazing it made me want to live in los angeles i think it's a, a classic i wish there were more movies about female friendships teen specifically teen female friendships um, I think teen girls are awesome and cool and very interesting, and there should be more things about them. Agreed. I think this movie is genuinely funny. We didn't really talk a lot. of We laughed a lot talking about it, but we didn't talk specifically about the humor. A lot of times in comedies, I don't like a lot of the comedy. Same. I'll sort of be like bumped by certain things. This movie doesn't really have anything that bumps me comedy-wise. I feel like it rides the line perfectly for me in terms of its tone and, and what it finds funny versus what I find funny. I find it all funny. The dialogue is really smart. I think this is a movie that you can dig deep on and shed the layers of, and it still produces worth. I don't think it's surface level, even though it's about surface level people. It's lovely to look at. It's a world I like to be in, and I love it. This Blu-ray, I don't love. I don't love this box. This is really a a situation where I don't like the aesthetic of this packaging. It's crappy. There's a number of different versions out there. This was kind of the first thing that just popped up and I got it because I was in a desperate mode. But I think what I would want to get is the version that you have, Justin. I like that Steelbook cover. It's not the classic cover. It's not the poster. I would, my preferred would just be the poster. But if I have to get one of these alternatives, the one that you have that's got the yellow plaid with share on there, that represents the movie to me. I, when I think of this movie, I don't think of sparkles. I think of plaid. Yeah, and it's designed in a way that she kind of like disappears into the background, which is kind of funny. I love it. She's I in a great it. outfit. Yeah. So here's what I'm going to do, listeners. I'm going to put this up because I'm going to upgrade again. Am I an idiot? Probably. I should have never sold the first one. But 
I'm going to put this up for auction and I'm going to get a better version of it that appeals to me more. So yeah, if you want this brand spanking new Blu-ray of Clueless, subscribe to the Patreon and we will put it up for contest and a lucky winner will get it. Question, which of the Amy Heckerling movies are, are y'all's favorite? Clueless is my number one. Clueless for is sure. probably going to be the more favorite. than Look Who's Talking. I love Look Who's Talking, and we just rewatched it again we recently, it's and it's so great. good. It's so Holds funny. Good. I find their dynamic incredibly charming. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh! John Travolta, yes. mm-hmm. Kirstie Alley, like the way that their love, the the premise of the movie, the concept, and the way it teases out their love. Yeah. I think it's is sec- really. They're compelling. both so sexy it's very in it too. Sexy. Mm-hmm. We need more like adult comedies like that movie that are portraying adults in like a realistic way. It's not just like dick jokes. Like I feel yeah. like and comedy, it's still a- adult comedies now are just dick jokes. Yeah, and it is adult. Yeah, it's like, really I- tragic. Seminal. But- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could definitely say Look Who's Talking is seminal. Mm-hmm. It's the only movie that has an opening scene with a bunch of cum floating around. I gave it a standing overreaction. Wow. A variation over Standing ovaries, ovaries, ovaries. ovaries. Yeah. yeah, I see. Mm-hmm. I like it. <laughs> it took you a little too it did long a little to bit. get. Well, now that we've said everything there is to say about Clueless, what do you say we play? Get a clue. Less game. Okay. Basically, it's multiple choice. I'm going to read you a question. It's a little bit of a trivia game. Question number one: This vegan Betty speaks fluent French and once got a surprise grab and smooch by Jim Carrey at the 1997 MTV Movie Awards when she presented him with the Best Comedic Performance Award. Is it A, Alicia Silverstone, B, Stacey Dash, C, Brittany Murphy, or D, Elisa Donovan, who played Amber? Justin? Okay. A, Alicia Silverstone. Girlfriend. Did you see her PETA um, posing naked for PETA thing? No, but I'd love to. This is just a magazine ad. Yeah, it's like one of one of PETA's publicity stunts. I don't know if she's actually naked, but the tagline is, I would rather uh, go nude than wear animals. That's all of PETA's things. So she mm-hmm. was nude. Like Pamela Anderson has one. Khloe Kardashian has one. Like it's a whole. And who's the sexier, hers or Paul McCartney's? Paul McCartney has a PETA ad? Yeah. A naked one? I don't think he's naked. I think he's just like, I'd rather not eat animals. <laughs> I'd rather eat has vegetables. a lot of vegan cookbooks. Mm. Also, Alicia. an addendum to that: Jim Carrey did apologize. What? It, what was the? Con- why did he do that? Was it he after just, the Oscars he was, she, thing? Pr- she was presenting him an award at the MTV Movie Awards. He won the award when he came up on stage. He grabbed her and kissed her. Was this the in lips? the same vein yeah. of Adrian Brody doing that to Halle same, Berry? Same vein. Ugh. And he said backstage he could feel she was uncomfortable by it, and he apologized. Wow. Question number two. This total Baldwin has acted alongside such stars as Michelle Williams, Tobey Maguire, Christopher Walken, and Jeff Goldblum, and was even considered for the role of Jack Dawson in Titanic. Is it A, Paul Rudd, B, Jeremy Sisto, C, Brecken Meyer, or D, Donald Faison? Corey, B, Jeremy Sisto. Girlfriend. That's correct. Jeremy He's the Sisto. only one I could see as Jack Dawson out of that group. Also played Jesus in a television movie. Wow. Titanic is one of those ones that I can remember seeing for the first time. And mm-hmm. wow. 
Highly recommend a, a movie called Hideaway, which is the one that he did with Jeff Goldblum. It's from the director of Lawnmower Man. He did it after Lawnmower Man, and Jeremy Sisto plays a serial killer that Jeff Goldblum can see his kills. Mm, that's good. Fun. Oh, did we watch it together? We did. That we was did. a really good movie. Good thriller, and if you like the CG in Lawnmower Man, you're going to love the CG in <laughs> What Hideaway. use would they have for CG in that premise? Basically, what happens is, is that Jeff Goldblum gets in a car accident and dies. But the doctors have created a procedure that can revive people. So what happens is he goes to hell. <laughs> and while in hell, he meets Jeremy Sisto and they basically have like a body swap. And so when when Jeff Goldblum gets revived, brought back to life, he is Jeff Goldblum. He's, he's the same character. But when he falls asleep, he sees the visions of Jeremy Sisto's serial killer. And he's like having to solve... And Jeremy Stop. Sisto also gets brought back to life. They be, they both get the same procedure. Justin, you gotta Why watch this movie. Why does the serial killer get, love it. get the procedure? Who's doing this? I don't remember. I feel like it's because they're trying to solve. They're trying to solve a case still. Oh, and and they need to revive this the murder. Yeah, yeah I, can't, I can't remember exactly why that happens, but basically, when they go to hell, it's like Lawnmower Man. I think you would have a great time. With you could tell this director was just obsessed with the technology mm -hmm. that the CG technology. So he was using it in everything. He also did um, a Phil Collins music video, I believe, that has like the same stuff. It's kind of part of his aesthetic. Yeah. But worth watching. Okay. Question number three. Which of these actors was not an actual teacher before getting into the biz? Okay, which of these actors was not an actual teacher? Dan Hadaya, who played Cher's dad. Wallace Shawn, who plays Mr. Wells. Twink Kaplan, who plays Mrs. Geist and associate producer of the film. Or D, none of the above. A, Dan Hadaya, B, Wallace Shawn, C, Twink Kaplan, D, none of the above. Corey, I'm gonna say none of the above. Oh, as if. Oh, damn. Uh, I'm gonna guess. What was B again? B Wallace Shawn. I'm gonna go B. Oh, as if. Um, okay, I'm Wallace go... Shawn was a teacher before wow. getting into the biz. I'm gonna go um, Twink Kaplan then. Girlfriend. Yeah, that's correct. Twink Kaplan was not a teacher. She was in the biz. The dad right. was a teacher. What Dan Hedaya was a teacher. He taught junior high. Wow. Before he. I can actually see him as a junior high teacher. Mm -hmm. Intense. Wallace Shawn taught English, Latin, and drama. That's cool. What's the score? Justin one, Corey one? Mm -hmm. Two. Oh, yeah, two. Corey I two. Got, I just got that one. Oh, Justin, you got to come back. You're Corey, on a winning Corey, streak. Corey, you're just going to give the the last answer 75 <laughs> points and Justin will win. No. Like every time. Question number four. Which of these Amy Heckerling films did not inspire a TV series? A, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. B, Look who's talking. C, clueless. Or D, none of the above. Corey? Okay. Look who's talking. Oh, as if. Oh, there's a TV show then? A, fast times. Oh, as if. What was D? D, none of the above. Oh. Nobody gets a point on that one. Yeah. yeah, all of them. Fast times at Ridgemont High had a TV show called Fast Times. Look who's talking had a TV show called Baby Talk. Wow. And Clueless had a TV show called Clueless. Clueless. Do you? Rem I remember the Clueless TV show. Yeah, me too. 
I do. And it it's confusing. And I actually feel like I thought Amber was more of like a villainy character in this movie because of the TV show. Because she, I think she is more in the TV show. They're more nemesis. And everybody in the TV show came back except for Alicia Silverstone and Brittany Murphy. But yeah, everybody you, no, else no, no. is the original Brittany Murphy, Brittany Murphy did come back. She did not play Ty, but she came back. Oh, it was just like a bit part, but she's not. She's not. All the uh, and Paul Rudd came back too, but he didn't play Josh. He played a different character. That's weird. That is yeah. weird. And it's funny because in the the movie, the guy who's shaving Murray's head, yeah, he I always felt like was a bigger character, but that's because he's one of the main characters in the TV show. That actor too. I love it. And you know what? Amy Heckerling wrote and directed a bunch of the episodes yeah. too. That's what she mainly does now is TV directs TV because that's where the money is. I'm sure. Put some more respect on the heckerling name. Question number five. Before her breakout role in Clueless, which of these fat Aerosmith music videos did Alicia Silverstone star? A, crying. B, crazy. C, amazing. Or D, all of the above. Corey, D, all of the above. Girlfriend. Can't be that one. <laughs> Bonus question. Which of those music videos co-stars Steven Dorf and depicts Alicia Silverstone bungee jumping backwards off a bridge? Oh, I can remember it perfectly. But what song is that? You're not gonna tell us? Uh, I can it, give you the songs. I can give you the three music videos that she was in. You can tell me which one you think. Yeah. Crying, uh-huh. crazy, and amazing. Crazy is crazy, crazy, crazy. For you, baby. Uh-huh. Crying is. I was crying since I left you. Now I'm dying oh, to forget you. That had Liv Tyler in it, so I know it's not that one. And amazing is. I don't know amazing, so. Amazing. What What are the names? <laughs> crying, crazy, and amazing. Crazy, I think. Oh, as if. Oh, damn. Justin. Amazing. Oh, as if. It was crying. Mm. I thought that was with Liv Tyler. Nope. Liv Tyler is crazy. Oh, when they're like in the car. Crying is Stephen Dorff and Alicia Silverstone. And she, she he's trying to get her the whole video. Yeah. And then at the end, she jumps off a bridge and you think she's killing herself. But then somehow there's a bungee cord all of a sudden there in her stomach. And mm. she's just hanging and she flips him off. Yeah, She's, she's going to have to keep on crying. Yep. Well, folks. That's the show. Follow us on social media at Cinema Possessed Pod, where we announce next week's movie ahead of time. And if you want to get in touch with us, email us at cinemapossessedpod at gmail.com. And if you want to get even more possessed, head on over to patreon.com slash cinemapossessedpod and unlock the Cinema Possessed bonus materials. Our bi-monthly bonus episodes where we talk about more than just what's in our collection. Plus, you'll gain exclusive access to Patreon-only contests and community message boards. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get these things. And as always, keep watching the movies you love and stay possessed. Later. See ya. As if. Whatever. Whatever.